It don't matter what I try I just can't win and I don't know why There's a fork in every road I pick the wrong one and then I go American loser, yes I am Disenfranchised from everything well, I fall up and I fall down I was born. Welcome back to a very special edition of American Loser, guys. It's our first time on the fifth floor here at the new studio. Um, I don't want to say it was bad on the third floor because it wasn't, but uh, this is how the other half lives, Kahuna. All right, really? this is this is looking good up here, buddy. This is top floor, top shelf. This is uh, this house. Is, this is nice, isn't it? I love it here. Mike and Ming continuing to profit off of the labor of my father and I's hard work. Okay, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Exploitation of uh, of the American loser class. So there you go. But uh, we're back. The American over. <laughs> loser class. <laughs> I love that. It is what it is, man. Right. But no, this stu- the new studio's kicking ass. This is cool looking. So thanks, uh, man. And if uh, who else could we possibly have here, Kahuna? Uh, South Beach Larry returns. Welcome back. There he is. All there right. he is. You're back not, for the season of St. Patrick. Indeed. That's that's how stereotypical our family is. You come up uh, from Florida for the month of March so that he can play in a bagpipe band. That's accurate. Okay. Hey. There. It's a lot of parades. It's a lot of, well, it's mostly rabble rousing. That's what you're there for. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it's a property <laughs> damage thing. And of course, uh, in the month, uh, it's the spirit of uh, um, St. Patrick. Who better to bring back on the show than legend? What is it? The fourth time? Fourth or fifth time? It's up there. You are you are the most frequent guest. No. You are absolutely. I can't be. We had a a, a couple of reviews on iTunes asking for uh, if you were single, which <laughs> which I took the liberty of responding to. That's really sweet. <laughs> My husband will die at some point. It's so <laughs> <laughs> sweet Jackie Byrne returns, guys. Hi everybody. Is she single? Not just yet. But <laughs> Wait, for the right price. That was you who responded to me, KP. <laughs> <laughs> That's very sweet. Yeah, dude, just text me next time. Happy to be with you. <laughs> Happy to be with you losers again. I love you guys. Well, you get the show, too, because you've been here. And also, also this is the big thing. we got a lot of people that want to come on the show. And I'm not against having anybody on the show. But Jackie Byrne is a good guest, a great friend of mine, hilarious comic, and also has notes, showed up with some stuff. That's it. She's not get like, I'm just going to come in here and shoot from come the on. hip. We can count off of one hand. How many people have done that? Do people really come in without notes? There's a, there's a couple. But, Do they um, think they're just that entertaining without them? Yeah, Kahuna, Kahuna knows the one we're talking about, and oh, really? the other one that I can't bring in the studio because they're like they want to do it, but I was like, it's not a good fit. It's just oh, okay. Not. <laughs> I got it. I got it. But um, unless you behave, it's all. <laughs> well, we got to tell the story, and then we like to have jokes in. We can't lead with jokes and then maybe tell a story. So that's where it gets screwy. Mm. But. Um, also, I have to be careful of myself. Uh, I, I, the listeners have pointed it out that you can tell when I'm angry because I say not for nothing. So what, what was the... A few ep- times. What, I get up to 38 times? No, well, episode? I had a 32 count uh, on one episode, but Oof, not for is... nothing, but it was 32. 
<laughs> that was that is a you guys are so cute that's a case of water and every individual bottle is me saying not for nothing so we're working on it guys okay i'm trying to be better oh my but, god that's <laughs> um, awesome we picked this topic specifically for you jay burn i'm okay? i'm i'm flattered i i'm excited too unfortunately this one's also coming out tomorrow by the way because okay. uh we uh I, we got screwy with that one yeah it's um it's my <laughs> Kuna just looked at me like ah, you didn't sign off on overtime dude. you fucker <laughs> <laughs> it's all good yeah. i got you you know i always do. Well, we scooped uh, my father up from Newark Airport on Friday, which, uh, by the way, Newark, Newark, a little aviation history in the, the town of Newark, correct? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Which we're going to casually absolutely. bump into here today a little. Um, so uh, this person we're going to cover today, and Coons, did they tell you yet? Or? Yes, it did. Okay, so you, you know. Yeah, it. and I, I'm, I'm excited that we have Jackie Byrne back for somebody that is not a, you know, the American loser that was some female that was totally batshit bat crazy. Nuts. Yeah, I know, exactly. I'm glad we brought so, back like an actual... Yes. Right. Well, you were here for Sarah Winchester, and then well, you were here forget for... forget that. She was the best. She and was then, the um, best. What was her name? Uh, Elizabeth Knapp. I the was first just going to say, of- <laughs> yeah, the first crazy bitch in America. <laughs> so it's good to have someone who's level-headed. No, and she's pretty cool, too. Yeah, I think um, so, too. Her uh, many different roles, by the way, many different uh, titles could describe her. We have a pilot, suffragette, spy spokeswoman and tragic hero would all be things you could describe this person as and if you didn't figure it out yeah i would say fashion trendsetter in there as well. oh that's right she yeah, was absolutely pretty good. she was kind of cool that way it's um and uh, also uh, she kind of there's a lot of things that um i think she's probably the first person to do that we then consider like modern tropes because everything's based off of her because she was the woman of her times definitely and uh of course she is the iconic uh amelia Earhart is who we're going to be covering today so, now uh, most people seem to know she's a pilot. Like, Cahoons, what do you know off the top of your head about Amelia Earhart? She's America's first badass bitch. She's <laughs> the first? In review. The first? Yes. I don't know. I mean, I think the first one is Molly Pitcher for me. That's All right, that's fair. But that, not uh, first to fly across that. the Atlantic? Or something like that. Or? She did, dude, she's got so many firsts, yeah, man. So yeah, exactly. uh, Like, uh, she was the absolute first to do it? Or, or the... F- She's got a couple really cool ones here, because what they did is, if you remember, on one of our very early episodes, we covered uh, the Lindbergh baby kidnapping. So because my father is, uh, you know, South Beach Larry's going deep into the background to give you a good backstory. <laughs> um, Lindbergh was world famous because it was the first transatlantic flight. Mm-hmm. So okay. he went from... Solo. Solo transatlantic right. flight. So he went and he wound up, uh, he left in Long Island and then arrived in Paris. And it was treated like, like holy hell, this modern right. marvel kind of thing. Yeah. So then there's this whole spirit of aviation kind of a thing. I mean, you want to set up the times for us, LP? Uh, yeah, we, we're in that early days of uh, aviation pioneering. I mean, this is cutting edge technology that we're now f- at long last after how many centuries of man been trying to do something up in the air that now we're finally got this machine this mechanical device that can get up into the air and, and fly like you know, not quite like the birds but is there anything take to the air than like the old original designs you ever see like the weird like the gyroscope oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. they look like dildos pretty yeah. much <laughs> <laughs> I so, love that. And guys jumping off of barn roofs and that kind of stuff with uh, big wings and everything else. But this was, uh, you know, we're right in that era of uh, we're finally figuring out how we can fly. Did you ever hear the joke? Um, it was Bill Hicks. It's one of my favorite jokes of his. It was about um, a guy on acid that they always think they can fly on acid. And he goes, so there's always some idiot that ruins acid for all of us because he has to jump off a building to see if he can fly. He goes, why don't you try flapping, right, your, yeah, flap your wings on the ground a little, see if you take off, then go for the top <laughs> of the building. Right, 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 right. 
But uh, we're going to fix anybody who doesn't know anything too, too much about Amelia Earhart. But Jay Byrne, what did you know off the top of your Because of course you did research because you're the best guest. But Well, I tried. But no, I had the, I actually didn't know as much as I thought upon reading. I really just knew what Kahuna knew. That's, yeah, people seem That's to like know. That's like the main thing. Don't yeah. go, don't give me that much credit. I was I was quoting back Night at the Museum too. Like that's as much <laughs> as I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I didn't but, know. I didn't know that like as much as I kind of thought that I did. Well, she um she's got so much. That's the problem. So even in this, because I was kind of into, I always liked that show uh, on History Channel. It's called History's Mysteries, mm. and obviously her disappearance, as we're going to get to, huge yeah. huge mystery. Right. But. Um, that's pretty much what I knew about. I didn't know about her life to start because usually, I watched a documentary about her not too long ago. It was an hour and a half documentary, and about forty minutes in, she's dead. So what does that tell oh. you? We're gonna. There's a lot to unpack after. Afterwards, <laughs> after right, her of death. Course. So we're gonna do this Tarantino style. We're gonna start the middle is the beginning, the end is the middle, and then um, we're gonna. <laughs> We're gonna start up. So yeah, opening credits now, Kuna. Okay. Right, start getting <laughs> oh, ready. Oh, I too. can't wait for the casting. Th- couch. Think about casting couch, bro. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. Because also, if you if you want to, you don't have to pull it up on the TV. You know, but pull up some pictures of her. Because we do have a debate. The the Burke boys were arguing on the uh, way down about well, this. I think the senior Burke is, wins, but oh, we'll see. I'm dying to know. We'll see. It's okay. uh, <laughs> but we're gonna fix that here today. Um, starts, you know, kind of like most stories will, with a uh, birth. And that's going to be uh, July twenty fourth, eighteen ninety seven, in uh, okay, eighteen ninety seven. So she's not even in the the twentieth century. She's oh yeah, Tail born end. in the previous mm-hmm. the previous century, kind of a thing. So well, I feel like I won't and just say to her. give the listeners a little clue. I mean, the Wright brothers were credited with the first controlled flight, and that was in nineteen o three. No shit. So okay. six years old. Six years. Wow. S- she's six years old when the Wright brothers are doing their that's thing at Kitty Hawk. But th- this is, as I said, the, the cutting edge technology, and we're we're going into the first part of the century where things are just going leaps and bounds. I mean, the, the automobile is uh, coming into play, airplanes are coming into play, the big three automakers with Ford and Chrysler and GM and all that kind of stuff. So I mean, this and we're, leads us right into the Roaring Twenties. Um, so things are really, really jumping very, very quickly. Now, Jay Byrne, uh, yeah. we had to do a uh, old time photo shoot once for our good friend Danny McDonald. Okay, oh that was would that be considered nineteen twenties fashion? What they were going for then, or I think what we were going for. Okay, that's I think so. Because uh, that's kind of is that to me the nineteen twenties? That's a very fashionable time and everything, right? I would say so. That's Gatsby. So it's a <laughs> right? right. It is Gatsby. That's going to be in New York, though. Do you think it's very fashionable in Atchison, Kansas, where she's born? I'm going to guess no. <laughs> I feel like overalls were, <laughs> were the, the main thing there. Well, if you were a girl growing up in like Manhattan or uh, or you know Long Island, like where Great Gatsby happened, you probably weren't going to be out chasing around uh, frogs and. Um, you know, uh, going on adventures out in your town and bringing your little sister around to go get lost in the woods or try to build your own roller coaster, I think they did one time, too. Right. But that's these two Earhart girls. So um, the parents, by the way, are Edwin and Amy uh, Earhart. And, uh, it, of course, it's it would be so perfect if uh, her name, It's obviously it's Amelia Earhart, but it's spelled Earhart. Mm-hmm. If it was spelled Earhart, that just would have been, that's almost pro wrestler-like, where right. it's a pun She's inside. She's got to be in the air. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Loves the air. If only we could have had um, Garifo in here for that. (laughs) He would love that. We did bring him here, and he floated the keg. Yep, he floated the keg of Ross beer. And then he walked in, and he met Ming Chen for the first time, and just kind of lost his mind for a second. He's everything anyone needs. (laughs) (laughs) Love you, Kev. He is the best. He (laughs) he he does not listen. He'll be on, but he just don't. He does not listen. (laughs) 
He has his own podcast, Gabe. It's very true. <laughs> it's a. Uh, but um, so Amelia has a younger sister named. Uh, this is a good name, by the way. Uh, Grace Muriel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you would think that a nickname like Pidge would be bad, but if it beat you getting called Grace Muriel, I think you might go for it. I might go with Pidge. Pidge, <laughs> right? And uh, Amelia would go by uh, Mealy or Mealy. Uh, you know, kind of. I guess it was like a little kid trying to say stuff. My sister called me Nana because she couldn't say Kevin as a kid. Aww. That's true. And now she just calls me late on the rent. <laughs> oh, wow. You guys, you guys. Wow. We're having fun. <laughs> One of us are. Yeah, I was going to say. That's what happens. So when I think I'm going to retreat and yeah. see all. There's no beer in this new studio. <laughs> I've got snacks, though. <laughs> Take this snack. You think that's enough? <laughs> I know that's not enough. Well, uh, the parents are going to encourage uh, Amelia and her uh, uh, lack for lack of a better word tomboyish tendencies. Okay, they like that. Uh, they're supportive. I'm of offended. It. No. That's <laughs> well, because uh, my sister grew. I guess you could call Carrie a little bit of a tomboy growing up. She was the only girl playing roller hockey with us. She was the only girl. Uh, I mean, she's the a mean girl. She, uh, <laughs> you know, she used to smoke cigarettes in her muscle T-shirt out in front of her Corvette down at the boardwalk. Um, That's right. Is that know. true? No. <laughs> oh, I was going to say. We have to interview. I've never met your sister. I'm so upset about it. Really? Oh, yeah, no. never. She's the best. Um, right. It's we got to bring there. her back in eventually too. Um, he's being held at gunpoint while he's saying that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, so they're the, these two girls are outside. The, by the way, they wore bloomers. That was the big fashion mm. thing back then. You know, yeah, bloomers were like uh, it was the old school. Uh, females were not really digging the whole bloomers thing, but it was a, a step towards pants, pants. Which, God, you can't have females in pants. pants that's right. just that's just unheard it's of. It's unnatural. No. Right. Right. <laughs> But uh, the girls are playing outside. Like I said, they wear bloomers. They're catching frogs. Whatever endeavors they can get into. Kind of a, a cool little life out there for them. Uh, they get homeschooled for a while, but they uh, do spend some time in traditional schools as well. They're both quite bright. And uh, I believe Amelia, they said, was um, she was extremely fond of reading. So that tends to be the whole thing for her. Um, and a little loserception right away, just right off the, the get-go here, Cahoons. Uh, young Amelia once gets, uh, she overcomes, because you want to prove that she's a tough girl. Mm-hmm. She actually overcomes a very serious bout with a certain disease back in the day. So around the late 1800s, early 1900s, well, it could be a disease. It may be some chick's not washing her hands, and she's getting... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she didn't catch it from... Uh... She did not get it from the typhoid Mary, but she did get typhoid oh. fever and lived. Right. So. I mean, typhoid was very widespread, and it wasn't necessarily from typhoid Mary from New York no, City. No, I, f- I figured as right, much, right, but right, like well, uh, I died of typhoid right. fever on my way uh, out to Salt Lake City in Oregon Trail too. So I know for a fact. <laughs> a he knows all disease. about Oregon Trail <laughs> and the perils of, of typhoid, right? That's why I realized I was a bad person. I overhunted most of the areas. There's nothing left, dude. Oh, my God. That's hysterical. <laughs> but uh, there's our first loser exception. Well, we have a couple other loser exceptions. And, Jay Byrne, you're, you're the queen of Jersey, all right? We have oh, to have Jersey tie-ins. Okay. No, I would, I, would, I would extend that realm to a little further beyond the Jersey borders. Oh. Oh, LP. Look He's at you, buddy. He's too right? good to me. That's <laughs> he really is. <laughs> Her husband is right downstairs. Dude. That's, Mom's coming home soon, dude. Yeah, right. A couple of locked doors between. <laughs> is it hot in here, oh, my <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy, it's a. 
Now he's pushing. It's weird because I don't get uncomfortable ever, but we flirted with it there for a second. Uh, <laughs> too soon, too close to home. I get it. <laughs> well, I got him good the other day too. But uh, like I said, Amelia does attend some college. And by the way, guys, you both did research, so jump in here anytime you have yeah, something. Yeah, of course. Um, but uh, she wanted to go into a career in social work. All right, she actually wound up getting uh, accepted to, I believe, it was Columbia in mm-hmm. New York, right? And then she. Uh, she can't. Really, you can't keep her from her own destiny, though. This is an adventurous girl. She's got a wild spirit to her. And uh, Amelia had always been fascinated with flight. She saw her first uh, aviation shows as like a young adult. But uh, in 1920, she has this game changer of a moment. I'll ask you this one, Jay Byrne. When yeah. did you know that you were going to be... Because obviously we don't get paid a whole lot to do stand-up comedy. Right. But it feels like stealing the money because we like doing it. Is that fair to say? <laughs> sure. So when, when did you get on stage for the first time and realize, like, all right, I kind of have to do this? I felt that way more with just performing in general, not necessarily with stand-up, if that makes sense. Because Jay Byrne, by the way, extremely talented actress, too. So, oh. Kahuna, next time so you there she was in a middle school play. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Okay. I was like, oh, I like attention. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I feel like that got me hooked. Stand-up was years later, like years doing it. Really? Yeah, because I didn't think I was that great when I started. It's a... An, if, all right. I find I'm it hard to honest. believe. No. Jay Byrne, one of the best... In the business, to be sincere. Um, Very sweet. Well, it just it's easy to tell you're getting out, not for nothing. To, oh, damn it, I said it! <laughs> not for no, now he's getting pissed. No, yeah. I flirted with dad. It was too we, uh, much. <laughs> if we set up a buzzer on me like the Houston Astros, and then you can just buzz me every time I say a kahuna, we'll do it. I'm thinking one. more like a shock collar. Than no, I was yeah. just about to say. I was like, I'll just have the button here ready. Right. Invisible fence. I don't think it's so <laughs> Here's why I'm getting angry. That one felt... Like a, like it was natural. It was natural. Yeah. The reason good. I'm getting angry, it's nobody in here that's making me angry. It's this dumb group chat I'm in on Facebook. That uh, my, Well, that's your first mistake. Yeah. Why are you in a group chat? Because I, I couldn't get out. But it's my And every night they decide they're planning a trip to Jamaica in June. Okay. okay. And today is March 1st, 2nd. Um, it's called a mute button. I know. I yeah, should have hit it. Yeah, can you but, mute it? But I haven't hit it yet. And then I'd have to leave uh, the notes in order to get to it. And oh, I don't know if I'm going to get it back up. So we're just going to okay. have to suffer here. So uh, if anyone is near my friend Matt Wilson in Bayonne, please tell him he's not funny and he needs to just stop. All right? I'm the funny one. <laughs> I'm the funny one. <laughs> not go, for nothing. You go be the best I'm bank the teller. Funny. You go be the best bank teller. <laughs> uh, back into old uh, Amelia here now. Right, so. yeah, Sorry, but that's my fault, guys. Come back. We digress. It's... <laughs> In 1920, she has a game changer of a moment, okay, because she gets taken up into a plane by a famed stunt pilot named uh, Frank Hawks. All right, this is out in Long Beach, California. So that's got to be some cool stuff she's seen out there. You're in, you're on the West Coast. You're a girl from Kansas. And then uh, all of a sudden, you're getting taken up in a plane right now by a famed stunt aviator. It's awesome. These guys were nuts, too. Dad, was it? I mean, how common was it to see, like, these aviation? Uh, that, was, that was the show, man, because, again, the Wright brothers started in 1903, right? So now, 1903, she's a six-year-old. The Wright brothers only went 852 feet, barely off the ground right. on their fourth try with uh, favorable winds. That's why they went to Kitty Hawk in the first place, because they, they checked all the weather maps and found out where's who's got the best um, prevailing winds kind of a thing for these test flights. They only go 852 feet. That's less than three football fields. But they're like game changers. Finally, somebody's got powered, controlled, manned flight for the first time ever. Different developments uh, are going on very, very quickly. By 1910, now you got planes that are taking off from the land and landing on Navy ships out out in the water. So we've got planes that are landing aboard ship. And then 
pl- the next in 1911, right? So 1903 to 1911, not a whole lot of time. Time now. Now they're taken off from Navy ships and landing back on on the land. Uh, so the development and the different things that are going on is very very quick. And then there's a little fracas known as the Great War uh, in between 1914 and 1918. Only a minor. We have now, yeah. It was the Great War. It was to be the war, the end all wars. But now we have to put a number on it. That was World War One, and now you know less than what ten years, uh, eleven years. Now we've got people going up into the air and dropping bombs on one another and firing machine guns at one another and everything else. That now we have not only armies and navies, but now we have air forces. You know. Uh, People uh, trying to capture the air to to win the win the war. Well, all of these World War One pilots are now coming back after the war, and there's a thing that's called barnstorming that they're going around the country. They got all these barnstorming. Is that what Satchel Paige used to do to inspire people well, to come out was, to see the Negro Leagues? It was leagues? a traveling. It mm-hmm. was a traveling show that they're going from various. Well, they would lovingly call it an airstrip, but it was really nothing more than a big open field. There wasn't any. Uh, runway or anything. It was basically, it was a very, very dangerous occupation to be a barnstormer in, in aviation. Because if you're landing that thing... Sounds like freelance comedy. <laughs> there you like, go. That sounds familiar. <laughs> open field? <It's> open <laughs> field. Audience? You got, a, you got a pothole or something that would flip the thing on the landing and, you know, people are dying. This is a very, very dangerous sure. occupation here. And That's how mean we were before Netflix. It was there's a chance somebody could die, so tickets are going to have to be up in the fifteen, maybe sixteen dollar range. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, right. Well, I mean, I think her first flight where she was taken up and you know flown around in uh, California airspace for like ten minutes cost her father like ten bucks. Yep. Wow. So. Uh, but ten bucks of the time back then, then is a lot. Yeah, that was yeah, pretty yeah. serious right. coin. That's like what, two, like two, yeah. two, three weeks. Of- Papa Earhart was pretty well fixed, but he just happened to like drinking yeah, more I was than say. than he did uh, making money. But uh, yeah, and um, her her mother, who was also uh, known as Amy, that's what he was. Her mom was an Amy or Amelia, and her grandmother was also an Amy, or a variation on that, so she's like number three Amy. Uh, um, But yeah, their their whole childhood was, there was a lot of ups and downs, no pun intended, with uh, whether- Jesus, you guys give me shit about bad (laughs) jokes? Where dad's making money, or dad's not making money, and traveling from here, there, and everywhere, just trying to find work. He was a lawyer, he was a banker. So when he was making money, he was making pretty decent coin, but it was hard for him to hold on to a yeah. job because of uh, he was the also booze. a booze bag. It is what it is with that stuff. There's no way around it. Um, but she's always been an, an adventurous uh, kid. That you, know, you started to tell the story about um, the making her own roller coaster. As a kid, she goes to the fair, and her mother forbids her to go onto the roller coaster. So what does she do? She goes home and builds her own out of some old skates. Oh, that's come, unbelievable. I comes off that. the shed was, roof. Yeah. yeah. That is so <laughs> Apparently cool. she popped up with like a bruised lip and then told uh, her sister, she goes, uh, Pidge, it's just like flying. You got to try it. It feels great. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. God, that's awesome. Yeah. I'm Amelia Earhart. Welcome to Jackass. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So, wow. 
But uh, also, I just want to point out too, Dad, that um, the parents are pretty supportive of all this. So the fact that uh, Papa Earhart's going to come down and throw down ten bucks because it's a little girl's dream to fly yeah. in a plane. You want a what, Amelia? You want to build a roller coaster in That's the backyard? <laughs> sure, go for it. It's almost a Ramona and Beezus kind of a thing with the two of them too, which amuses me. I Either kinda... that or he was so drunk he didn't realize how much he was paying for it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like he's, he's thinking he's playing blackjack, but he's really just getting this kid up in the air for ten minutes. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, if you're up there, uh, that'd be great too. If that while she's up there in the plane living her dream, it's just that the dad's like, finally, I can drink by myself. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> right. That's uh, I'll get two uh, Boilermakers if you don't mind. Um, <laughs> I had a flashback of, of cousin Brian. I remember him as a, as a kid going to his father saying, "Hey, I want to build a." A half pipe for his skateboard in the in the backyard, oh <laughs> and uh, your uncle said, "Well, yeah, you build it, you know." And all right, son of a gun, if he didn't go out and you know plan the whole thing, find out from the town what requirements. Are you anyway. serious? So he had this big, big monstrous half pipe in the, in the backyard that he built. Yeah, man, that's yeah. Brian has since gone on to uh, graduate with a doctorate from Brown, and is also a uh, <laughs> uh, an engineer for Stanley Bostitch. Mm. So, uh, yeah, Uncle Terry, that blew up in his face on it's that right. one. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I thought that would have been a stop. No, 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 no. Yeah. Oh, to, wow. You know, to <laughs> skate ramps, podcast, a lot of bad decisions in the Burke household. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but obviously, like we said, uh, Papa Earhart's got a booze problem. Okay. A couple of bad choices. and uh, But he does support his daughter. That's kind of what's a, a cool thing here. There's almost um, a Homer and Lisa kind of a thing. Like I, he'll show up, but yeah. he'll be drunk. That's, <laughs> that's right. Well, uh, Amelia knew as soon as she went up in the plane, she goes, I got to do this. It was Jackie Byrne on stage for the first time in seventh grade, you know, <laughs> doing, fi- doing Fiddler on the Roof. It was just- Annie. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> Fiddler didn't come later on That's- in life. Okay. <laughs> that was high school. <laughs> uh, if I was I a rich I lived with man. the Fiddler. Okay. <laughs> 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 Too inside. Sorry. No, it was, it, but it was perfect. Now, now he has to listen. See? Exactly. It's the Dom DeLuise approach. Kermit the Frog. You got talent, kids. Thinking, telling jokes, make millions of people happy. You yeah. could just go up in a uh, in a plane and fly. That's You'll be good. It. She got hooked, man. So uh, Papa Earhart takes her to the airfield, and she's going to go meet uh, who's going to become her aviation instructor. Now there is this whole subculture within aviation of the female aviators. So. Um, Kind of a lot of cool things here. Nita Snook, I think was her name. Was Anita. The, yeah, yeah, Anita, but I think she went by Anita, Netta. Anita, but Netta. Yeah. And then uh, Snook, who, um, you know, obviously not Snooky from Jersey That's Shore. That's what I was thinking, it got, You got I nervous hate, for a second, right? Yeah, I hate Snooki. that that was my first thought. I know, me too. <laughs> like, I, it she, didn't feel right. I was with you, though. She lives in our head. Um, Poke but, your mind's eye out. Yeah, so she uh, is going to go, and I think the first thing she says to her, she goes, I want to learn to fly. Will you teach me? That was it. It was very simple. Like, very, yeah. er, you know, very earnest. Um, but she is going to go ahead in order to get to these lessons when her father can't take her. She actually has to take a bus to the absolute end of the line on a bus. And I bitch about taking Port Authority into, you know, the city, the city. and stuff like that. <laughs> but um, and then she walks four miles from the end of the line on the bus to get to the airfield. So oh, my God. I didn't know she's that. living it. Yeah. This reminds she, me of. Uh, she was motivated. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. awesome. This reminds me of like the old pro wrestlers you hear about with the guys like we used to sleep in our car out in front of the gym kind of a thing because they, they, they could afford a gym membership or uh, an apartment. So they would just do that. <laughs> but she's dedicated. There's no uh, there's no check. There's no dragging her down on this. Um, her dedication, very much obvious. And as her skills expand, so she's starting to get the hang of this flying thing. A um, little peer pressure, maybe. I don't know uh, if you want to call it that, Dad, but a little peer pressure. She starts. Uh, she's got long hair when she's starting out, and then um, 
She cuts it down real short because that's the style all the female aviators are wearing. So it's oh. the peer pressure to look yeah, that Yeah, I don't way. think it's so much peer pressure as it was what was going to be accepted by the other pilots that, first off, females weren't allowed to be pilots. I mean, that was... But there were female just, aviators. That was... There were female aviators, but for them to gain acceptance in the field of aviation was not happening. Again, the aviation at the time is just, it was viewed as being way too dangerous for a female to, to go into that trade, if you will. There's All a little right? circus uh, act to it. Right. Um, but also at the same time, uh, all the other female aviators have the same kind of a hairstyle. That they're all cutting it short that way. Part of it is so that they could fit the um, the, the leather caps on, because this is like the old Red Baron kind of right. looking days. So, but uh, she cuts that down, starts wearing her uh, what would become sort of a trademark for her, but a, a nice like brown pilot's leather jacket. And she had a nice new one, and she didn't want to get made fun of for being, you know, because she was like, oh look at the new girl with her brand new jacket. Um. So this this breaks your heart a little bit. It's almost like a Mean Girls thing where she slept in her jacket for three days before she wore it for the first time. Oh, to Good. wear it in. She wanted it to look like it was worn in a little bit. Oh. Breaks your heart. Yeah. <laughs> For a minute. Don't baby. worry. If you feel bad for that, the end of the story is going to just I know what you're going to we need oh. a box of tissues. I I know. We know how this shit ends. Poor Amelia. <laughs> but uh, she's loving it. This is, she's found her thing. This is clearly her thing. Now, she doesn't think it's going to be a career or anything when she starts off. She's like, oh, this is just a hobby. You know what I mean? Like Natty Bumper Car Treats Comedy. Um, oh, but shit. it's <laughs> oh, <laughs> You had to go there. So what, yeah, is, what is her main gig around, around this time, then? Her, she, she doesn't around. really have a main yeah, gig. Yeah, no, she's, she's bouncing around. She's bouncing around and doing whatever. She's, uh, she was helping out in uh, the medical field up in Canada, and she comes back to, to uh, the United States. She, at one point, she was even uh, driving trucks just to... Um, raise enough bucks to, um, you know, get flying lessons and, and again, this is early on. It's kind of like uh, who can who can afford an electric car? That <laughs> who can afford an airplane? Because right. you pretty much either have to buy. There was no renting it or anything, or you would just take flying lessons. Whoever knew how to fly, and yeah. you got a lot of these returning World War One uh, pilots that are now looking for work in this new field of aviation. It wasn't until uh, really like 1920, right? So 1903 with the Wright brothers, now 1920, the U.S. government sponsors the first airmail that were putting bags of mail into an airplane oh, and flying it kind of a thing. And there's no doubt this was a dangerous occupation. One of the things that I found that, I, that flipped me out, 1920, there was 40 pilots hired by the government to deliver mail. Right, airmail, uh, and by 1921, all but nine of them have died oh in, in fatal God. crash. There's yeah. no navigation. I mean, basically, you're going up in the air and you're following a, a, a railroad or, or a highway. And there's even evidence still that remains today that these big, giant concrete arrows were planted out in the middle of the Midwest. 70 foot long concrete arrows to show these guys <laughs> the way to go oh, or they're that's so funny. That's or so they're, cool. they're filling up like 55 gallon drums with oil and setting in the blaze because you couldn't fly at night because there were no there was no lights so they would oh set up God. you know pot fires <laughs> along the way that that's you could insane. you could go from point to point to uh I mean, it's a clever system at the time, but like it was the only still, system. At there's the still time. problems. Right. They're still yeah. using that. Um, it reminds me of uh, when we were talking about the Hindenburg episode. We had uh, uh, balloons would go up, 
So now a balloon, you could go up and you could at least pick landmarks because you're not moving so, so fast in a balloon. Now you're moving a lot faster in an airplane. It's terrifying. And but I, this, I think, was all part of the lure for Amelia as well. That hey, oh, it's danger. This is danger, man, and she's a, a danger junkie kind of yeah, a thing that uh, she's in for it, you know. So Amelia uh, rides her motorcycle over to the, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> she's got a problem with you, Ice Man. There's some, there's some actual fact to when you say, "Hi, I'm Amelia Earhart, and welcome to Jackass." Uh, There's yeah. a little bit to that. Wait, wait till you hear a couple of the other stunts she pulls, man, because it's, it's nuts. There's stuff that gets underreported because... Underreported. Yeah. There's an analogy I'm going to use later where flight around this time is almost a little bit like boxing. So in order to have like a big boxing fight, you have to have the media hype. If you got to get the media interested, it has to be like a fight that they can sell. So like only you know, once in a lifetime gets billed on all these big fights. All the, and then they have a sequel. So. Right. Right. Um, right. right. But, so it's kind of uh, funny. You want to attract a crowd. You want to get the press flying around on this one. And uh, Amelia is in on this. Like we say, she cuts her hair down. And this is the argument that my father and I had on the way down here. Uh, there's a photo of her up over there. I think um, I think she looks like, uh, obviously, that, that's a nicer photo of her. That's her in like her, I think it's evening clothes. That's what they're they called. Yeah. Yeah. That, um, to me, that looks like a dude. You know well, I mean? they said she looked like Lindbergh. That's, That's they why called she her got that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Lady Lindbergh. They called her. And then, um, but my father sitting there saying, "Oh no, she's cute, man. She's cute." And I was just to me, it looks like JFK. I don't know what she looks like. She could be one of the Kennedys. Well, I don't think she's necessarily like the most feminine, but I don't think she was going for that. No, no. she wasn't. I didn't think she was unattractive though. And my dad's sitting here trying to tell me, "She's like, no, she's cute, man." I mean. I think I'm going to have to go with, with Pop on this. One. I would say uh, I would go back to if yeah. she said yes, you wouldn't say no. <laughs> this girl looks like Scott Brennan with a sh- with no beard. Okay, that's what. It is. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh man, <laughs> it's weird because in certain angles, like she looks like completely different people in certain right. pictures. Her hair is right. very masculine. Like in yes. the, that's, like, so we ha- that's, that's probably what it for is. For this one, it's like, I, I kind of see like Judy Garland her, in there right, a little right, bit. Right. Like, they curled her hair a little bit there. It's a little Princess Diana to her, too. She looks like... Um, Which one? That one right there. Sorry, the one you just went to. Go back. Uh, is it next to the picture of Gary Busey? Oh, yeah. that is her. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Wow. Yeah, for the listeners at home, wow. we can't see what we're know, looking we're at. Like, we're wow. All this time. Yeah, right. she looks like she's I'll got a little these. touch of something there. Yeah. But that's all right. Well, she didn't like to smile uh, in photographs with her teeth showing. So she sees uh, her lips are pursed and most of the yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one, in that exactly. photo, because she had a gap in her teeth, so she was very self-conscious about that. Um, but. She is considered an attractive woman for the times, and she's certainly an attractive female aviator. So she's like every girl in Brooklyn. That's. <laughs> I can vouch for that too. Come on. Oh man, it's. Well, that's gonna be the new trend over in Williamsburg. It's just girls wearing like the leather pilot's hat 100%. walking around. We're yep. gonna bring it back with this episode. <laughs> You're welcome. It's a, a fashion line called Red Baron. Um, <laughs> yes. So, uh, but she is. Um, all right, we're going to just air on the side of the call. We'll say she is an attractive woman, for uh, yeah, especially for on. the female aviator. It's got to be some rough-looking chicks that are into that stuff. You know what I mean? That's a that's a tough job. And of course Pe- it is. People die. You're blowing up all the time. You can't be curling your eyelashes at 15,000 feet or whatever <laughs> that's the heck. Right, right, right. I mean, I would be trying, but that that's doesn't a- matter. <laughs> <laughs> they have to live, you know? It's also true. Um, now, she also winds up buying uh, a few months into this, you know, kind of piloting hobby of hers, if you will. Uh, she buys uh, her first biplane, which uh, she gave a good nickname to. Uh, Jay Byrne, you have my favorite joke about naming uh, inanimate objects like boats oh, and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I won't give it away on there. But um, 
this uh, first plane, I thought this is a good name because uh, she calls it uh, the Canary. Oh, cute. Yeah. I think uh, it was probably yellow. I would it was, it was painted think, yellow, yeah, so that sweet. became the Canary. Right. <laughs> yeah, and cute. at this particular time, she's st- mom still has some bucks. I mean, dad has passed away, and the grandfather, her, her mother's father, is pretty prominent. He's He's got some bucks. He passes away, so mom now has the inheritance from uh. her father, and Amelia then has some bucks off of mom, but, uh, uh, you know, those those funds are quickly dwindling as well, which is why she's working any kind of a side job that she possibly can. To, she might have chased aviation for the full-time love. earlier if she was able to, but right. they, there was constraints at home and stuff like that for sure. Right. Um, now, real quick, 1922, Amelia actually sets the first of her world records. Okay, she is uh, flies the canary, that same aforementioned canary, uh, up to a height of 14,000 feet, which is a record for, uh, that's the first female pilot to ever get to that uh, so cool. that altitude, if you will. So uh, she's pretty cool. She's making a name for herself that way. Um, but uh, that's, like we said, the record for the female pilot. She also becomes just the 16th female to acquire a pilot's license from the FAI, which is an international kind of an FFA so thing. Cool. So that was uh, the female aviators over in France, England, the entire world. So that's, she's the 16th worldwide almost to yeah. get this. Awesome. That's so, 1923. Yeah, she's pretty bad. So 20 too. years after the Wright brothers, I keep going back to that, but in 20 years' time, no, you know, now she's the only the 16th woman to hold a, a pilot's license. And what, woman's right to vote was 20, 1920? Yes, it was. That's nuts. <laughs> that's crazy, though. Well, she's a, a, a sign of the times, too. Is and we'll get, we'll get into that, that a little bit, too, because the 19th Amendment was in 1920, which right. gave finally uh, women the, the vote. vote throughout, because up until that time, some states yes, some states no, some states, well, you could ro- vote for the local school election or the state but not not everything and that's a whole that's another whole I'm loser sure. episode no i'm sure i'm <laughs> just, sure i just think the timing is just so interesting right well so, she's the perfect person for the times too she really, really is um she's got uh, this passion for aviation absolutely never in question but her ability to commit to it full time is kind of in doubt is this going to be just a hobby for her or what's going to happen here and then uh if you have anything else before we hop into uh when mr putnam makes his uh, arrival dad uh, let me know now because we're about to get into. Uh, well, by 23, she's only the 16th woman to hold her license. And I think you were starting to go there that out of those 16 licensed pilots, she's probably the prettiest out of, uh, mm-hmm. out of all of them. And she's not smelling like, you know, airplane fuel and uh, <laughs> grease and four days worth of sweat uh, um, at at, at first meet anyhow, which is going to become pretty important uh, in the next couple of years here in her her young life. It gets important. It's uh, Her life's about to change. Literally every aspect of her life changes in this one meeting on the moment. Now, by the way, uh, Jackie's husband, Jay, a good friend of mine, and I, I do get a kick out of because I've had both of them tell me the story of how they met. And it's uh, both. It's pretty. I won't say it on air. Oh, I'm just thinking. No, I'm just trying to think. Like, what would he say? Well, as far as I know, Jay showed up on a, a motorcycle in front of your uh, performing arts class or whatever it was. Oh God, that was why we were dating. And you're, you're just like, all right, so let's do this. <laughs> you won me. I love Greece. Okay. It was, <laughs> you had me, Kaniki. What do you want? Uh, she's a biker me. chick. I totally. Jay is a cool writer. Um, oh, I'm so Greece. Thank you for that Greece two reference. Well, uh, she has her own little uh, cool rider moment here because uh, now she's going to go ahead and meet um, uh, 
this guy by the name of uh, Putnam, okay? And he's an interesting guy uh, in his own right, but specifically here, after Lindbergh makes history from flying from New York to Paris, uh, that's the most famous flight pretty much since the Wright brothers took off with the, the Kitty Hawk, right, Dad? Well, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of a lot of firsts, obviously, in a, in a startup uh, technology, if you will, like, like aeronautics. But uh, by 1927, uh, you know, we're making all kinds of uh, headway here that we're now got mail being delivered by air and everything else. But by 1927, Lindbergh is the first one to, to fly solo, nonstop from uh, across the Atlantic. So he, he flew for 3,600 miles on his own. Unreal. Uh, there were some Navy pilots that have done it previously, but it was a group of guys, and they were stopping, landing, refueling, you know, and taking off again. But uh, Lindbergh is we're figuring lucky, out Lindy. He, he's, lucky Lindy. He's a media sensation worldwide, for, uh, and the newspapers give him the nickname of Lucky Lindy because it was an extreme amount of luck necessary to get across the Atlantic well, Ocean. Old Amelia doesn't quite get that nickname. No. Um, <laughs> no. Well, she meets uh, this no, uh, publisher uh, and a promoter named uh, George P. Putnam. Okay, and he's uh, an interesting guy, like we said here, because right now the big push is that these promoters and the aviators they're working together. We're like, hey, we got a great stunt we're going to pull off. Mm-hmm. Um, so this, you know, we're going to work on. Uh, the same way that Lindbergh captured the entire nation's attention. What else can we do to keep that coming in? And then the aviation companies are going to pay the promoters because now it's companies like Lockheed and Martin are getting involved here. You have the airlines are starting to come up around this time frame too. So this is the next big boom industry. Everybody wants a little piece of it. And the promoters are almost like salesmen where they got to push this shit on people. So uh, the next thing that they want to do is that they said, well, we've got uh, the first uh, man to go uh, uh, you know, across a uh, transatlantic flight. Uh, maybe it's time we have uh, the first woman to make a transatlantic flight. Now, there's some caveats to it, so I won't give it all the way, but uh, just yet here. But LP, what do you got? I know you got something. No, it was just that uh, in order to get involved with this, you got to have bucks. And there's no doubt this is not a poor man's... Oh, it's uh, pay to play for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah definitely. Um, so uh, there's a woman, uh, Amy uh, Guest, who is a middle, uh, middle-aged heiress, um, She's uh, the heiress and daughter of uh, Henry Phipps, who was one of Andrew Carnegie's business partners. So anyhow, she's got she's got large dollars, and she's an adventurous herself. And you know, this is the whole time frame. I mean, women finally got the right to vote in 1920. Uh, Amelia was also part of that whole suffragette um, um, campaign, if you will, to give women the right to vote. She's very much involved with uh, aligning all the other female pilots into a, an association, if you will. Well, anyhow, this uh, uh, middle-aged heiress, she's got large dollars, and she's adv- uh, fancies herself as an adventuress, and she's thinking that she wants part of this fame and, fame and glory of being a, a female first, but she's also middle-aged. She's beyond her beyond her prime. Uh, yes, middle she, age back then was 24, by the way. Just <laughs> <laughs> keep it I would be dead by now, uh, to be honest. Um, so she, she definitely wants to uh, put women to more of a forefront in this whole um, expanding, exploding technology. Um, but she's got a, a gr- three grown kids of her own. Uh, her one son is like just out of law school, and he's not really looking to have mom <laughs> try to fly across the Atlantic. Yeah, so sure. uh, he, she's meeting a lot of resistance on the home front. 
but at the same time wants to put up the bucks and through contacts she finally comes together with uh, this uh, renowned publisher named George Putnam now Putnam is a publisher his big uh, uh, gig if you will is that he has very famous people particularly aviators write their memoirs or write their story and he just you know publicizes the hell out of it making bucks off of it uh, he had uh, Lindbergh write a whole book on his exploits. So Lindy's making some money, and certainly Putnam is making some money. He's also married at the time. But uh, um, anyhow, they're now searching for, well, who is going to be the first female to go across the Atlantic? Enter and again, Amelia you need financial Earhart. backing. Mm-hmm. So they're searching around, searching around, and they're calling in and are interviewing various people. And then... Uh, uh, um, Amelia arrives at the scene and she's got, you know, she's she's not going to make people run away in, in fright. No, from, she came in first in the swimsuit portion of the, the competition <laughs> to decide. <laughs> yes, yes. Right. Um, right. She passed the eye test. Then he Hilarious. <laughs> so they bring her I'm in. I'm sure there's some truth to That's, that. Not the bikini, it, but I'm sure. It, it definitely didn't hurt. Yeah, she, uh, of course. She also actually, there's a little bit, I don't want to ruin the casting couch because I'm curious who Kahuna is going to use for that. But um, there's an actress that uh, without makeup on kind of looks like her too. So, mm-hmm. um, But uh, as we're moving on here, uh, Amelia gets chosen. She's going to be on this flight. The flight leaves from uh, Newfoundland, Canada, Okay, where we do have some listeners. So uh, thank you, you, you Canucks. So we appreciate you. <laughs> um, and uh, they're going to arrive in South Wales. So the flight that they're going to be on, it takes uh, 20 hours and 40 minutes. That's quite the road trip. Uh, upon arrival, uh, Amelia Earhart receives a rousing ovation. The crowds are flocking to her, and the press fawns over the female aviator like the rock star of the moment that she truly was. There is only one tiny caveat to this. She didn't fly the plane. Mm-hmm. Right. She, she was, was just, just a passenger. 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 Right. I know. I was so bummed mm-hmm. when I read that. Right. Well, it sets her up for some other more interesting. I think that this is her first taste of the, the spotlight, if you will. Definitely. Like, you know. But this was the first time that she was really allowed to even risk being in the plane and flying across the Atlantic again. That's risky business for right. sure. Oh, yeah. So that, you know, are we going to be the people that are going to be credited with the first female death in the attempt to cross in the Atlantic, sure. right? Yeah. It's like my buddy has that great NASA joke when he got NASA shut down, down in, um, uh, everybody was all bummed out because it was Cocoa Beach. It's going to, NASA's finally shutting down. He goes, I'm not going to miss NASA. They killed a teacher on live TV and got away with it. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, I'm kidding. Kahuna Almost made that joke. Big Bird. <laughs> That's true, too. Um, but we got so much info I want to plow through here uh, without skipping anything over. But uh, Amelia, cool chick. She never, she's not a girl that's going to pretend that she's headlining when she's featuring. Okay, you know, She's not one of those girls. <laughs> we know a couple of those, Jay Byrne. We sure do. They, take the fo- they thank everyone for coming out tonight to the other person's show. Oh, we sure um, do. That's funny. But uh, she's a cool chick. She knows what she's doing. She goes, I didn't do anything on that flight. She goes, I was as useful as a sack of potatoes. Sack of potatoes. And but she's still got worldwide acclaim. I mean, yeah. she's a superstar simply by risking her own life by being in it. the plane to go across. Right. And she was, here's how cool that is. Some people would just rest on their laurels that way. She she goes, no, one day I'm going to try this by myself. Mm-hmm. We're gonna, I, I'm, she's an ambitious gal. Um, so she decides, uh, she literally comments that one day she's going to try it on her own. And she has this continued partnership now with Mr. Putnam. Mm-hmm. And the two of them are able, this is where the money comes in. <laughs> uh, they're able to profit off of her newfound celebrity. Uh, Amelia gets invited to uh, not only Calvin Coolidge's White House, 
She will also <laughs> later receive an invite to Herbert Hoover's White House. Okay, and then later develops a close friendship with FDR and is a close, close friend, perhaps too close, with uh, First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt. <laughs> So, why? Because they both have shitty haircuts? Is that what you're is, saying? There's a little bit of that. They definitely were good friends, but I've always, always kind of heard those rumors about Eleanor Roosevelt. Well, Eleanor, I think they confirmed it. I think yeah. she had a lover. Well, it's, it's funny, too, because then uh, you got Amelia Earhart, who's a, a leather jacket wearing girl with uh, short hair coming on over. I'd be That's down. But no, she's parlaying the um, experience of that into uh, a, a career now all of a sudden. And right. Putnam's making her money off of this. Totally. Absolutely. Right? He, like, he, has, uh, he has her write or ghost write a book for her uh, entitled 20 Hours and 40 Minutes, which was the time the flight of the friendship, the, air, the airship, the airplane was called the friendship. So there was three people on board, two males and, and Amelia. And Wild. making money, and he's public. You know, he's her publicist, if you will. Not only her publisher, but her publicist. And so she's a star, and now he's monetizing that, and then absolutely. also raising her star. To, right. It's like having a good manager, Jack. You know anything about? It? <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, she's all for it because she's raising money to finance her her dreams, next, her next attempt of, of oh, yeah. whatever. And the family's know. not doing so bad right now either. Um, now, one of the endorsements that comes in, uh, this one's in. I will ask you this question, Jackie Byrne. Yeah, sure. What product would you, um, if let's say you blow up tomorrow, okay, you're, you're famous, you're front page everything. Okay. And what is an endorsement that you won't take because you don't believe in the product? Oh, I wouldn't do like cigarettes or something like that. Interesting you would say cigarettes. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I know what I'm doing. That's a, <laughs> my, it, it always trips you out because you're always curious what products people are going to be nervous about. Like, we're going to make you the face of douche. Do you understand that? <laughs> like adult diapers or something. A, I feel right, like I would go. actually do that one. That one I wouldn't care. Yeah. Hi, I'm Big Kahuna here for Blue Chew. <laughs> hey. <laughs> yeah. um, First of all, it would be ventriloquist dummy beginner kits, okay? <laughs> Uh, that'd be even better too. You see a little Kahuna on Kahuna's oh, lap. That would be really. <laughs> that would be really cute. Uh, oh God. Uh, Watch out, Jeff Dunham. The we big, got, yeah, we got the, Dunham. we got mini Cahoons. Oh. I hate how close to reality that is. <laughs> I think we need to make that oh happen. Get that on Etsy. <laughs> Oh, you've got it. I would buy it. I've got to buy that shit. Oh, I'm going to make it happen. You are. Meanwhile, there's a puppet staring right at me, right behind KP. It doesn't shock me. (laughs) If it starts moving, just let me know. Yeah, Um, that's right. Are you sure you want me to let you know, or do you want to go out that way? It's uh, maybe I, I, it's time, dude. I don't want to pay any more student <laughs> loans back. I'm done. I'll tell right. Ross. I'll take your job. I don't want to pay any more loans. <laughs> We're at that point. We talk about it's an aviation thing that I remember as a little kid being terrified of. What if the plane goes down and I die? Oh, and it's then, scary. But now I'm old enough where I was just like the last thought going through my mind is I have paid my last set of bills. All right, you're not getting the rest of this. You want something or nothing? You would get so many likes on Facebook if you That's... died too. <laughs> I promise you that. Oh, that is so inside baseball. I love it. <laughs> I would, I would write the nicest comment <laughs> <laughs> under under your little obituary. When we're off air, we have to. I talk don't write about for anybody, by That's the way. <laughs> <laughs> I would write. I have for a question you. for you though, KV. Or this, this will go for the whole table. Now, th- this is the boom of aviation. So is she starting to get like on the ground floor of like these companies that'll start taking people across the country? 
or no that really hasn't happened yet we don't really have um they're they're tinkering around with it at this point. yeah well it, i mean that's what i mean yeah. like it's like the literal ground floor of these ideas yeah Lindbergh like, flew across the atlantic in 27 and so within six six years um we are starting to have uh 12 passenger twin engine for profit uh passenger air, air, airplanes so and the the name okay. Pan Am will come into the story. NTWA. That's a really oof, yeah scary oof, shit. Yeah. Um, so uh, our girl decides that um, because Putnam suggests it yeah. that she will accept an endorsement from Lucky Strike Cigarettes, mm. who, as you recall, Cahoons, the Edward Bernays episode. What did he want? He was trying to get cigarettes to be smoked by women out in public because it was the suffragettes, and it was uh, to help your uh, help keep your lean thin body that you want. <laughs> so now the Wait, face of that. Wait, what was the brand? Lucky Strike cigarettes. Lucky Strikes. Oh my God, that's the I know that brand not just because that episode. The Flintstones also used to do advertisements for them. I believe it. <laughs> no, like there's there's actual wow. ads of the Flintstones promoting hey, Lucky. Yeah, promoting those cigarette brands. Wow. Oh, that's messed up. Well, they're weird that way. And then Edward Bernays, we talked about the American Minister of Propaganda, if you will. He was big on that, and so he got the celebrity endorsement now for his cigarettes. And you're promoting. You want women to buy these cigarettes. Uh, they're also selling now activewear. So uh, Amelia Earhart has her own fashion line. JP. She has her own fashion line. And her own line of uh, lightweight aluminum luggage. Oh, yeah. got it's merch. Really, no, it's brilliant. She got merch. She yeah. does. It's it, brilliant. Yeah. Who's running the merch table? Big time. I Big wonder. Time. <laughs> it's uh, probably Putnam. It's and, <laughs> and for the time, though, she was the uh, the the image that everybody was looking for. We're talking about the Roaring Twenties now, and that whole f- female flapper image. She was it. I mean, uh, tall and thin. The short, short hair. hair there's right. a little Rosie the Riveter to her, too. I know that comes later. That, that was, But there's a little Rosie the Riveter to her. Where it's well, like, again, we it's that whole... Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That strong, independent, uh, take no Same shit. Out. All right. I'm, uh, I'll tell you what you want to hear, but I'm going to do what I want to do. I do. Mm-hmm. And she's kind of cool that way, too. Yeah. Of course, though, um, the endorsements are getting acquired by Putnam. His partnership with uh, Amelia is reaching a new level. All right. They, uh, they're going to be friends, guys. They're going to be friends with benefits. Okay, <laughs> and, uh, but the two actually truly do care deeply for each other, and they work very well together. And uh, Putnam, back then, not easy to get a divorce, by the way. But in the kind of the feeling was that the marriage had soured a long time ago, and he was kind of just doing his own thing. And he actually uh, divorces his wife and decides it's time to go get. You know, I'm going to see if Amelia will marry me, and uh, she agrees, but with some conditions. Okay. Yeah, well, he asks her to, for marriage like six times before she finally. That was one of those. Like, reluctantly Aww. agreed to to marry this guy. They, it wasn't but they, they didn't had love a, each other, though. They had an agreement. <laughs> Go ahead, Kev. Um, well, first of all, she referred to the marriage as a uh, marriage of mutual benefit, which is exactly how you want your romantic story to be. You is know? that what you said? <laughs> yep, a marriage of mutual That's so benefit. Um, she gave a, uh, a letter, though, that was interesting. So they get married February 7th, 1931. And the way I heard the story was that on the day of the wedding, uh, Earhart uh, delivered a letter to Putnam that George referred to as uh, most brutal in content, but beautiful in its honesty. Okay, that's a, you think you can get him to cry at your vows. Wait till you hear this one. The letter Mm -hmm. explains to George that uh, I still, I'm going to marry you, but on the condition that uh, if within a year, the two of us are not happy that you'll kind of let me slide here. I'm not going to, quote, commit to you. Do you have the exact quote on that, Dad? Well, I've got uh, bits of it. She says, you must know again my reluctance to marry, my feeling that I shatter, 
I shatter thereby chances in work, which means most to me. On our life together, I shall not hold you to any medieval code of faithfulness to me, nor shall I consider myself bound to you similarly. So in other words, it's pretty much open. It's open, open game <laughs> right yeah, there. Right. Uh, it, it's a weird one. There's, Please let us not interfere with others' work or play, nor let the world see our private joys or disagreements. And this connection, I may have to keep someplace where I can go to be by myself now and then, for I cannot guarantee to endure at all times the confinement of even an attractive cage. So she was, wow. she's, a free, she's a free spirit, and she yeah, wants to do what she wants to do. I like it. So right. open relationship. Yeah. 100%. Right. Okay. I'm yeah. going to marry you, and we're going to live together, but if uh, we're going to need to put a handicap ramp in for Eleanor to come in and out. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it kind of sounds like, though, to be honest with you. It really did. We got a new deal coming. You know what I mean? <laughs> Uh, uh, oh that was God. money. Jay Byrne. That's, yeah, that's, it. that's a that good was, one. That was actually, that's right. Only the best for my Burke boys. You know that. Uh, people, you should have seen the face on KP. That was, when I mean, she said it. Was so it. perfect. He was so happy. It's, he it's was a really refer- proud of me. Thank you. I, I, it really was. That was a good moment. It's a top five moment on the that show. Was, that was out of the park. Oh, my God. That was uh, great. It's uh, it's beautiful, though. So uh, There's officially no use for Kahuta anymore. You're just... Here. No. You, 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 I'll teach you how to run the boards. You, no, you're no, in. you don't want me doing that. I promise you. Oh man, uh, that's great. No, Jackie's money. That's why it's good to have her back. Happy to uh, be here always. Uh, Amelia is also a little bit. This is where I want to get involved for a second because she's the victim of some jealousy among uh, female aviators. Because if we know anything, do you remember a couple years ago when Amy Schumer was the cool girl that yes. everybody loved? Yeah. And then she got a little too big, and then all of a sudden, it's like everyone hates kinda, her. She stinks. She steals jokes. jokes. Nobody ever really liked her. Right. What's happening with Amelia? Poor Amelia. She's making money. She got married. She's got endorsement deals coming in. Oh, she did. She's she is flying. She's she's the real deal as far as her. She didn't fly across the Atlantic. But her big (laughs) ticket item, like Kahuna said, there is an asterisk next to that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, she's also setting records. I mean, yes, she was a passenger with that uh, aboard the Friendship. That was she getting all this uh, star and fame, but she was also the first female to fly to Hawaii, which was okay, no small too, feat. Right. She was also the first female to to fly from California to uh, New York, or more accurately, Newark, New Jersey. Now yeah. it is the first of several Jersey tie-ins, right? Um, so she, yeah, she was. She's the real deal. There's no doubt about it. And well, the I think more these, these chicks made her mad, though. Because the more she flies, the more um, her skill set is is growing. Um, she's involved with this uh, this group of uh, other female pilots, the, the 99. Mm-hmm. Uh, 99s, yeah. The 99s that. Uh, yeah, I thought that was a badass mm-hmm. name. Yeah. yeah, that apparently there was 99 female pilots in its inception and. She was the first president of the 99. So, I mean, she's she's definitely the face and voice of uh, a lot of uh, aviation uh, history and certainly female aviation history. Well, they and tried to say she wasn't even that good of a pilot was what some of her critics were trying to save her. And the critics were some of the other female aviators. But uh, an important thing to note here is that it's almost like we talked about Jackass earlier. In Jackass 1, I guess there was an interview where... Bam and all the guys gave Johnny Knoxville a hard time, said he didn't do enough of the stunts in the first one. So in the second one, he goes literally insane. Yeah. Hit by the bull, uh, fired up in the air in a rocket. I mean, he did everything. So you're going to tell that, you know, you're going to tell Amelia, our girl Amelia, that she's not a good pilot? Wait till you see what she's got up her sleeves next. She's setting her eyes on something quite big, guys. And in uh, 1932, 
Earhart's going to pilot a Lockheed. That's right, as in Lockheed and Martin, uh, Vega 5B. Okay, and uh, she's going to depart out of uh, Newfoundland, Canada, and she's going to drive. She's going to literally mimic the uh, the Lindbergh uh, voyage here. She's going from Newfoundland, Canada, and she winds up arriving in Derry, Northern Ireland, just 14 hours and 56 minutes later. And this feat does make her the first woman to make a transatlantic solo flight in history, and she arrived five years to the day as Charles Lindbergh five years earlier. So. Uh. Right, five so years cool. later to the day. Absolutely. That's so cool. It was, right. just, it was supposed to land in Paris, by the way. That's the one funny yeah, part. Yeah. So she's supposed to land in Paris, but uh, she's not going to make it because. Yeah, uh, but she hit weather conditions going across. Brutal. That brutal, brutal, yeah. And, um, Tons the of engine. Mechanical failures. Yeah, right? while she's yeah. over the Atlantic to the point where it's uh, like a 50 50 kind of thing. I went too far to try to turn around because I might not make it, or I could just push forward. But now she's seeing these little, a little blue flame coming off of one of the engines I can't, I can't, and uh, yeah. she flips to the auxiliary fuel tank and now she's got <laughs> airplane fuel dripping on her uh, as she's flying forward going oh my God. going up and down through so like today when we're flying today if there's bad weather conditions ahead of you the pilot is going to go around so we don't spill our drinks on our little <laughs> right. fold-down tray in right. front of us, right? right? Well, she doesn't have that opportunity. Again, she's she's flying by compass. Do you remember your line, by the way, you had yesterday when we were talking about this episode? Oh, yeah. I mean, to the times, this was unbelievably dangerous that you know, airplanes, these, these barnstormers, they're flying around and like engines are just falling out of the plane and these guys are crashing or the thing cuts out. But and by today's standards, I mean, we're getting pissed off because uh, we have to uh, go. To, we spend more time going to the airport than we are actually up in the air. These and, in-flight movies are bullshit. Yeah, right. And <laughs> what, all I get is a freaking bag of pretzels? This sucks. This flight sucks, you know. And meanwhile, these guys are risking their lives to... Uh, to get up into the air, but it, it's 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 bizarre. It really one is. One thing worth noting too, though, is that because uh, Jackie was alluding to it earlier, so there's frost that's starting to build up on her uh, her wings of the plane, so she has to go lower, which means she's now into the fog. So it's either if I fly at the altitude I'm at, my plane might freeze, and ice up, we just turn and lose all right into the water. Right. So in order to counter that, she goes lower, which now means she's in an entire fog, like just fog cloud. And she has no clue how close she is to the ocean because it's pitch black at night, right? Oh, my God. So she's stuck there. At any moment, she had no idea if she was three or 30 feet above the ocean. That's how cool. Like, it was wild. So if one rogue wave had hit her, she, the plane would have been swallowed up into the ocean. And she was lived, She still to this day, they said, had no clue how close. She couldn't tell you where she was. You're just in a cloud. That's it. You're in a cloud. Right. And then all of a sudden you see land. And she goes, I hope that's Paris. It's not, but I hope it's Paris. Right. And boom, she winds up landing in uh, Derry, Northern Ireland. So She could have crashed Holy at any time. Shit. Yeah. Uh, a couple of good quotes about that, too. I mean, there's some wild stuff here. But uh, I do want to hit a couple of her other notable flights before we get to her most infamous one. Um, she is uh, the first. Do you want to talk about the first, Jay Byrne? Um, Always. The first woman to fly coast to coast. All right. She leaves L.A. and lands in, as, you know, again, another Jersey reference, Newark, New Jersey. Mm -hmm. So she is bi-coastal. You know, <laughs> but, um, she's also the first to fly from Hawaii to California, which is pretty wild. And then also the first to fly from L.A. to Mexico City, Mexico. Hey. 
But uh, the interest in these kind of first evers is dying down a little bit. So it was, people were like, holy shit, can you believe that we went across the ocean? Now it's like, all right, we get it. You flew across the Great Lake. Okay, I guess we were doing this now. It's the first person to, so the firsts are no longer really, uh, it's not an ingenuity thing. It's like, I guess we have, this is the future. We're going to, it's getting boring now. So as I said. I kind of, I kind of parallel that to uh, back in the 60s when we were trying to put a man on the moon that, you know, after after we finally did some, somebody on the moon in 1969, now how many different more space missions that, so it's starting to get, it's starting to get a little too- The uh, novelty. Too, yeah, the novelty, exactly. right. Until you have one of the rockets blow up and kills a teacher on you, then all of a sudden, oh, yeah. like, <laughs> holy shit, you know, that is pretty dangerous. I mean, John Glenn, he's in a, in nothing, in a space about the size of a, a big garbage pail. And we're, we're right. blasting him right. around, totally the, different. <laughs> around yeah. the around the earth. That's that's pretty serious shit. I would know? equate it to the Marvel movies. People <laughs> got complacent with the superhero movies because they all had a happy ending, and then Thanos came in and just reminded everybody that there's you know there's something involved here. There's stakes in the game. <laughs> but uh, she moves on. Uh, she's still kicking ass though. She's the first woman to do a lot of these things. Um, and in the interest of these first evers. Uh, as we said, starting to dwindle down here. She's decided that she's going to be uh, embarking on her most ambitious journey yet. She's going to fly around the world, and uh, she's going to be the first woman ever to do it, and she's also going to be the uh, the path that she was going to take was specifically the longest way to get there so that she could also have the longest around-the-world flight path. So Jay Byrne knows what she's doing. You know, Amelia Earhart knows what she's doing. It's almost like an Uber driver where they sit there and like, oh, you know, if we take westbound, sir, I could get you there very quickly. <laughs> so... Um, but she's got a couple of cool things uh, coming around here. She's getting involved. The, uh, the She's working very closely with the federal government, which is winds up being a huge potential factor in one of the conspiracy theories about her. But uh, she's working with the, uh, the federal government, and they actually build a landing strip in the Howland Islands specifically for this trip. Okay. So she's got. A, there's some big bucks behind uh, it too. Again, this this requires large dollars to even to attempt this thing. It's it's not something that uh, is going to be federally funded like the space program or something. This yep. is all by private by private funds. I mean, her her flight to across the Atlantic. She receives a gold medal from the National Geographic Society. Congress presents her with a distinguished flying cross. I mean, she is she's big time. But there's also a lot of other people that are trying to go around the world has already been done, but not going around at the equator or close to the equator. So it's the longest flight path that was ever been attempted to go circumnavigate the, the globe. That's going to take some doing because, let's face it, we're only in the in the 30s at this point. There's countries that don't even have an air an, an right. airport, an yeah, airstrip. It's, a, <laughs> so, I mean, you, it's going to have to uh, have to be created, though. Know? Who's funding that? Well, that's uh, that's where Mr. Putnam and some of his uh, finance people are, are helping out big time. So they're figuring that out. And this is kind of a, a little bit of a joint venture. There's some private interest in this, but then the government's getting involved too. And you got to be careful with the government because the government is um, the government's always going to make sure that there's never not food on their table. I'll mm-hmm. put it that way. But uh, these uh, these guys get a little bit involved over here. She's got a great crew that she put together, though. She gets trained for this trip by a Hollywood stunt pilot named Paul Mance, who kind of looks like, um, there's a little Walt Disney to him, I would say, if you looked at a, a photo of him. But Paul Mance was like, uh, he almost looks like a leading man, so the fact that he's a Hollywood stunt um, pilot makes sense to me. But it's Mance with an M. Uh, there you go, buddy. M-A-N-T-Z. But 
cool guy. He winds up being one of the true friends uh, that she'll ever have in her life because this oh, he's guy, cute. he's he's a handsome dude. De Niro well, could pull off that. Not look there. No, younger. I like him in the. <laughs> right. He looks like he's pooping in that one. There's a little Charles Chaplin to him. Kind of crank going out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Jack. He's so cute. But uh, so he's uh, going to be the guy who's training her for the flight, and her navigator that they hire at first is a guy by the name of Harry Manning. Okay, no re- no relation to Eli or Peyton. <laughs> but um, Manning was going to be. Uh, he was actually a ship's captain prior to this. And although he is still able to navigate the skies effectively, Putnam and Mance get a little, they, they have him as the navigator at first, but then during a couple of exercises they're doing, he actually winds up more than 20 miles off course. Oh. So, that ain't good. Which to us sounds like 20 miles, holy shit, I'm not going to do, but literally at the time, that's how Wild West, my father keeps trying to say that this was back then, that was considered within an allowable uh, error. Margin of error. So the margin of error was wow. that wide. That 20 if you, miles? Yeah, it's only 20 miles off, so it's okay, you know? Boy. It's like I kept telling him, anytime I got a C in, you know, class or something, I was like, I was only, you know, 20 points away from an A, Dad. That's all. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> See that? That's how good I am at math. Um, got more than half right. That's it. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Dad, I know it's a 60, but if this was baseball, I'd be a Hall of Famer. Exactly. That's right. right. That's, um, but they decided that uh, Manning, although he's a good guy and he's got other skills, they're going to keep him on the crew but they want to bring in a new uh, navigator. So, uh, by the way, an important thing is that the reason why Manning was retained for the crew was because he was a just literally a crackerjack radio guy. He knew his uh, shit. Low frequency, Morse code, high frequency, anything you needed, this all guy new was your tech, dude. All new tech here yep. going on. That we're, we don't have to go by dead reckoning or looking at a compass. That uh, Now we've got some navigational aids, crude, but at least, again, another first in, in aviation. So that's how he's worth his weight in gold because it's the same way with um, like Kahuni or people have asked me like, oh, why don't you just buy your own Zoom and try to do it? First, I like coming to a studio. And then number two, I have no clue what he's doing back there. Yeah, 100%. A- <laughs> he's laughing because he's not doing shit yeah, back he's, <laughs> Kahuna might as well be a wizard cartoons. to me. <laughs> so. <That's> a- <laughs> but, um, oh, wait. They bring, no, you're good, man. It's uh, They bring in a guy by the name of Fred Noonan, who is a very skilled navigator, kind of a little bit of a legend over here. So he's kind of a cowboy in this uh, aviator community because he's got a little bit of a drinking problem. He's a little rabble rouser, uh. kind of a handsome guy, right? And um, he's also in a, a high-level employee of Pan Am. So Pan Am is not like a set running. It's not the gorgeous um, flight attendants era of Pan Am just yet. Mm-hmm. It's them trying to figure out how can we get across America. There's water planes that they're figuring out now where you put the jet skis on the bottom of the plane and ride around <laughs> that way. Um, so these guys are interesting here. But Fred Noonan, that's an important name to remember. Noonan and Amelia will be tied together in history for literally the rest of time. You can't have one without the other. It's a, a Magic Johnson, Larry Bird kind of a thing. Um, it's not St. Patrick's Day yet, Dad. Nope, not yet. But on St. Patrick's Day, March 17th, 1937, uh, the first flight takes off from Oakland, California, in order to begin this around-the-world journey for Amelia Earhart. Right. So it's the big time, Jay Byrne. She's in it now. She's in it. And there's a big press release. She's doing... Uh, she's headlining. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Well, she's doing her own press, too. She's got a press conference. She's on TV. She, there's even a video you can watch of her pointing uh, I don't think stick. TV, but she's certainly on radio. Or radio, But, but there's right? literally, there's video footage of her pointing right. to a globe. Right. So, oh, really? Yeah, and it's, it's her showing... Badass. Yeah, here's how we're going to do the trip, blah, blah, blah. We're going to be here and then here, and it was it was pretty Unbelievable. cool. Unbelievable. Dad, you got to watch that documentary, man. It was good. All right. That's a <laughs> but is that newsreel, or is that television? 
television. I'm a, it could, you know, that's a good distinction because if it's newsreel, that's what they played before the movies, right? Right. right. Okay. Which so. was the media outlet of the time. I hear you. Jeez. Mm. It's all right. That's probably what it was. If we're being sincere. Yeah. Um, so that's 1937. Hang on. When did Wizard of Oz come out? Uh, that's a movie again. That's not. Yeah. I think it's around the same time. Yeah. Either like 37 or 39. That's wild to me. Like that, that TV yeah. wasn't around yet, but we just made the Wizard. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, but uh, so they leave from Oakland, California, like I said, and uh, the plane winds up landing in Hawaii. Now, this first leg of the journey, Cahoons, is four p. I'm not talking to you like to keep you paying attention. I'm just, it's conversational. No, I'm um, reading along. Like I'm like I'm following along as it's going, but I'm just uh, I'm fascinated by this because I never really knew much about. Bro, it gets wild because we had to go off Wikipedia heavy to do some of the other conspiracy theory oh, stuff. I can't wait. It's good. Yeah, um, and I think you, what you got to remember, too, is that by 37, we're in the midst of a depression. Yeah. Uh, this mm-hmm. is big time. She had her own uh, fashion line and everything else that she was selling uh, the uh, uh, AE fashion line out of Macy's and, and some notable outlets and stuff. But, uh, you know, you're in the middle of the Depression. Uh, you want to start up a, a new company or a new, uh, new line of clothing in the middle of the Depression. That's, uh, that's, 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 a tough, that's a tough go. I just try to picture um, her doing, like, Ralph Lauren commercials or something. It's a <laughs> yeah, and, and how much uh, extra cash is going to be around for people to finance this thing right. when people are standing on the bread line or on the soup line? It's tough that way, but they do want heroes. They do want something to distract Absolutely. themselves from this. Yep. So, and who's, uh, there's really, I mean, Lindbergh does a couple other things, but Lindbergh's life's kind of different after, um, obviously, the tragedy that his family goes under, but, uh, or is forced to endure, I should say. But uh, she makes the flight with a four-person crew. So it's her, Manning, Mance, uh, uh, Putnam wasn't with him, but he was tracking every move. Uh, Amelia's obviously the pilot, and then, uh, yeah, Mance, and, um, Mance, Manning, and Noonan. So... They arrive over in uh, Hawaii, but there's an issue with the plane. Okay, this is a brand new state-of-the-art plane Lockheed and Martin has made specifically for this. So that's where the government's coming in. The government's like, hey, uh, Earhart's going to do this thing. If one of you defense contractors wants to make a plane to show us you can do this because the world's gearing up towards another war, there's a funny little guy making some speeches over in Germany that has us concerned. (laughs) And his... uh the Japanese are getting real frisky There's in a, the Pacific. a certain yeah. Emperor Hirohito that is giving us some concern. Right. Um, so, and that also comes into play, too. You would think that it wouldn't, but the, the world events of the time are all coming crashing around here. There's a Game of Thrones vibe to this story. But uh, they wind up over in Hawaii, and the plane needs repairs. Now, because it's a state-of-the-art plane, that means that it's hard to get parts for that shit. That's what it is. That's why when you buy a Tesla, you don't buy the first Tesla. You buy the second round of Teslas totally. because then parts are available. Um but they now have another issue while they're first off you want to be stuck somewhere i think hawaii is a pretty good place to be stuck is that fair to say definitely that's give it a go (laughs) but uh they get another issue while they're over here in uh, pearl harbor and uh this one it's controversial to this day by the way uh some people say the landing gears jammed uh someone says they saw a tire blue out on the runway uh, but Mance, who literally is the guy that trained Amelia for the flight and is a Hollywood stuntman, he wrote it down as a pilot error. So that's Amelia fucked up something is what he's trying to say. But the plane is then down for repairs again. And uh, like we said, due to the, the timetable here and the constraints of the schedule, Manning has to leave the crew. So now your, your top radio guy that you have in here is going to do your high frequency, low frequency, Morse code, everything goes, I have to leave, guys. I can't do this anymore. I have to go back to my regular job. So wow. he leaves, goes back over there. So now you got uh, Noonan, who's taken over as the navigator for Manning, okay, because he's a better navigator. 
but now neither him nor Amelia are really skilled with the radio stuff. But it doesn't matter. They got a state-of-the-art high-frequency radio thing that is literally almost like these microphones. Uh, you know, you could be talking to uh, you know, a ship or an air base, anything like that, with relative ease using the voice messaging kind of a thing. So that's pretty cool, right? We're going to move on here. There's no real issue. It's Morse code. That's in the past, baby. That's how the cowboys talked. We're living in the skies, Dad. Right, right. That's old school. We don't Very need none of that. Cowboys talk. We don't need back that. in the 1860s to Morse code, but guess what? I, I did get sassy there. You're right, Jackie. I loved <laughs> it. Not for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, yeah, even though they're insufficiently skilled in that, that's considered old tech, man. We don't need that anymore. You know, I don't know. You don't have to learn how to use a rotary phone now that Siri can call on voice commands. Right. You know what I mean? It's just a lost art that way. But uh, Amelia had worked very closely with the U.S. government for uh, planning this journey, like we said. And uh, do you remember the name of the island that they, uh, they built this special strip for, Dad? Uh, well, she was going to try to land on uh, Howland Island. Correct. A tiny little spit of a place in the middle of the Pacific. I'm going to set you up for tonight's show style. How little was it? Oh, how little was it? Uh, a 1.7 square mile amoeba-shaped little oh speck God, in the middle so of the Pacific. Tiny. Yeah. Middle of the ocean, and it was uh, 2,500 miles northeast of Lake, which is, again, to, to try to find that. Now, if you're trying to find this little speck in the middle of this vast Pacific Ocean. That's, that's a challenge. The government had sent out a, uh, a Coast Guard cutter to be alongside the island so that they could be sending out radio signals, um, tele, you know, Morse code signals, uh, any manner of communication that they were capable of, even to the point where they were having the, uh, the boilers belching out black smoke so they're putting up like smoke screen or smoke signals that that she might be able to uh, find this find this place well you'd think that that would work well too because uh it, it's almost uh like you said that was the original way that they were doing signs anyhow so if you're going to miss this tiny little island here but you can get a, a big smokestack up you know from one of the ships that's kind of a cool way to do it so off this howland island um they got uh, the coast guard cutter uh I, someone said it uh itasca someone said itasca so uh we'll just go with um itasca i guess works for me but uh this uh, second attempt now um, is going to require some navigational changes due to the time of year and the weather patterns. So originally they were going to go east to west to go around the world and follow the equator. Now they're going to go west to east because it's the rainy season. So you want to get through that shit. But, and we are wrapping up here because this is, this is important, though. We have to set the groundwork for why this mystery is still getting investigated to this day. Um, they would fly from Oakland to Miami to begin their journey again. And in order to try to lighten the plane, because it's a cumbersome kind of a plane, there's big antennas coming off of it, there's all this heavy-ass equipment. And Amelia and uh, Noonan agree that uh, since neither of them really know how to use the low-frequency radio or do Morse code, that uh, neither of them should probably keep it on the plane. They dump that shit. It's over. Wow. Yeah. We don't need that. We need a lighter plane. You know, we'll figure it all out. Plus, we have the high frequency. Who knows, you know? Everyone's yeah. until you get, You're very happy when you have 5G, and you don't think you need anything else <laughs> until you don't have 5G. Right. Right. So. But uh, she's moving on, and uh, they dump all that stuff over in Miami, and this choice winds up being, uh, it's disastrous. Let's be honest. It just becomes a disaster. So they uh, fail to notify the Navy, too. This is the killer, all right? Communication is key. Uh, So they dump all that shit, and then uh, they're supposed to get a message out to the Navy and the Coast Guard to tell them, hey, by the way, we're only communicating using high frequency, and their messages never got through. So they're trying to communicate with them on the low frequency stuff and use Morse code. 
It's like speaking a different language, man. It's no good. Oh, my God. So, <laughs> they land near um, the country's LAE. So what do you want to call that? Go for it. Lay? We'll call it Lay? Lao? Go for it. Don't matter. It's a <laughs> but uh, the high-frequency antenna that they have now that is using this radio system that's important to them gets damaged in the landing. And uh, communications wind up getting lost a couple of times on the next leg of the journey. So their target is this tiny Howland Islands. That's where they're supposed to be winding up. Um, but there's both written records of mechanical issues and also, get this one, uh, personnel issues. So they're starting to suggest that maybe while they were in uh, Lay or Lao, depending on how you want to say that Mr. Noonan started having a little bit too good of a time. Uh, I'm the navigator. I'm allowed to be drunk. You're the pilot. I'm not drunk. <laughs> Damn. Reminds me of the guy who showed up, the driving instructor that showed up drunk the one time, Dad. You remember that story? Yeah. That's. <laughs> yep. Not not a good start. Yeah. No. But I'm not driving. Your daughter is. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. So... It's the tiny Howland Islands. That's where they're supposed to be landing, right? Um, but that's where uh, Noonan's drinking problem's coming in here. They're starting to have other issues. plane takes off from Laos and is supposed to arrive at the Coast Guard-marked Howland Islands, where the uh, Itasca is blowing this bellowing black smoke that you, know, you can't miss it. It's almost like uh, it literally is an end zone of sorts. And uh, I just want to ask you real quick, Dad, how hard do you think it is to land a plane like that on a tiny little thing like the uh, Howland Islands? Uh well, one of the one of the things that I found that um, to try to find the Howland Island only using a compass navigation, imagine standing atop the Empire State Building and trying to hit a bullseye on a dartboard hanging on a Statue of Liberty five miles away. Oh, <laughs> that's so, insane! So even if you're off uh, half a degree, by the time you extend that out into the middle of the Pacific Ocean, you're way off. Yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> You, uh, now, as they're approaching, they are trying to use their high-frequency radio to signal them and say, hey, guys, we're on our way here. Now, the guys at the station are saying that they could hear the messages from Amelia. So they're hearing her voice, and they know where she's at, but she can't hear them back. So when they're trying to play, oh, listen, correct your course or this, or hey, give us this signal. Where are you at? You know, where are you right. at on the map right now? Anything? And it wasn't like they were receiving all the transmissions. They were only receiving some sporadic radio transmissions from her. Right. And they were garbled. So. And it was it nothing was that difficult. was really spooking them, though, because they're like, this is, one, this is the world's greatest female aviator. She's going to find it. She's literally flown across the world before. Right. There's no way it's going to go bad for I her. I mean, the federal government put us here alongside this island specifically to help guide her to this island. For one so, reason I mean, and one there's reason a, There's a lot of people involved with this beyond uh, just Amelia and uh, sure. the boys. Well, here's one of her a uh, few hours later as her approach is becoming expected, but they're still not seeing her. A uh, little bit of a cloudy day, too. Uh, this is her last uh, one of her last transmissions. We must be on you but cannot see you. Gas is running low. Have been unable to reach you by radio. We're flying at 1,000 feet. That's at 7.58 uh, a.m. in a transmission. She's saying that I can't hear the uh, Itasca, and she's asking them to send voice signals so she could try to take a radio bearing. Um, and this also comes back to that low-frequency thing where they're able to – they're now contacting her saying in Morse code using the low-frequency stuff. Oh and she's God. like, hey, I'm getting those, but I don't know what you mean. Can you, like, use it in a sentence or something? You know, like, <laughs> wow. Can you turn dot and dashes into voice? Yep. Right. Uh, and it can happen. So if Manning oh is there – if Manning is there operating the low radio frequency and figuring out the Morse code, they might have been able to figure out exactly where they were at or at least have back and forth contact with the Coast Guard. So because of that, they're unable to determine the direction at all. Uh, Amelia's last known transmission comes in an hour later at 8.43 a.m., and she and Noonan are never seen again. So, whoosh, gone. Speculation continues, though. 
there are a lot of conspiracy theories, Dad. So Many conspiracy theories. I want to go into a couple of the conspiracy theories real quick, and then we'll, um, because the actual search for her is ridiculous. If you're a friend of FDR, do you think he's going to spend some bucks looking for you? Definitely. Well, plus, plus she's an American female that, uh, you know, America allowed this female to go out and have this life-challenging uh, mission to go around the world. And, uh, yeah, the, the search and rescue attempt, I think, went on for two weeks. Two weeks, um, $5 million spent on $5 million. Yep. In the Great Depression era. Wow. That's, right. To try to find Oof. her. And, and people are, you know, flipping out. What was the... Um, the airliner that went down that they never found with all oh, the Malaysian one? The Malaysian yeah. thing, right? It's a, we it's, still it's, never it, found that thing, right? No, nope. nope. I have a theory. So yeah. with all of <laughs> modern day cutting edge technology. How do you not find her? And they're not finding that. How are they gonna find her back yeah. back in the in the uh, in the thirties? So they're maybe, searching give me a break. nonstop. Uh, now this is where it gets really interesting. So the conspiracy theory part is fun of this, and there, there are most conspiracy theorists are also historian people, mm -hmm. so they start looking for trying to line up facts and everything. But there are speculations. So. Yeah, and most of these conspiracy theories are by somebody who wrote a book. <laughs> and is I'm, now did trying you notice to that? Sell yeah. a book. <laughs> right, 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 exactly. If you guys like the show, I have merch available afterwards. <laughs> right, right. I have a t-shirt with my slogan on right. it. Um, but uh, the theories include different ones, such as that uh, she was captured by the Japanese mm -hmm. because they were uh, Emperor Hirohito was obsessed with American technology and wanted that Lockheed Martin plane. So there's also some people in the Marshall Islands who say that they saw uh, a plane getting dredged uh, or dragged along, towed, if you will, by a Japanese ship that landed in the Marshall Islands, and then they saw a female aviator. Now, if you're a, a Pacific Islander, and all of a sudden, a, uh, a, a tall, slender, blonde woman pops out. She's going to stand out a little bit, so right. maybe you're going to notice her. Right. But they're saying not going to blend well. No, that's uh, <laughs> you're like, oh God, is it? Uh, are they here again with uh, you know doing their uh, Bible thumping stuff? But they show up, and uh, uh, people are saying that they see her. Okay, she's getting captured uh, supposedly, and then uh, imprisoned. Some people say Nuna was with her. There are some people that claim to know where she was held on these different islands. One theory is that she was actually kept by the Japanese government, um, and then she was killed. Uh, I guess World War II had already broken out at this point. It's a right. post-Pearl Harbor thing. And the U.S. is doing that island hopping campaign where one by one they're kind of freeing, you know, uh, or getting rid of the Winning Japanese control. Winning back to Pacific, right. Yeah. So uh, the theory was that when they realized that they were losing one of the islands that she was on, that Amelia was taken out by the Japanese guards, dropped down to her knees, she was blindfolded, and then because of Japanese custom, if they like you and respect you, they want you to die honorably. So dying honorably means that you see the person killing you. So that was part of the theory here, that that's why they removed her blindfold and then shot her in the chest execution style with a firing squad. So they then buried her next to the shallow grave that she was in. So a guy who came by later, um, who was doing one of these investigations, a woman says, this is exactly where it happened. This is where Amelia was killed. So he starts having, it's a heavy equipment station now. He gets permission to excavate for half a day over there and pulls up the bandana, the little blindfold. Now, wow. it's hard to prove that it's exactly that one. It could just be some guy wiped his ass with something and threw it in a right. hole. <laughs> I've worked enough <laughs> dirty jobs doing, um, you know, <laughs> But uh, the idea that they found it, and he believes that's what the blindfold was for her, was to, to keep her there. And then um, that was the Japanese way of getting rid of her, but making sure her spirit could pass on because she was, they, they kind of admired her. That, you know, the woman who came from the sky, kind of hard not to yeah. you know, get involved in that story. Wow. Um, now, another one is that uh, she was a spy. Did you hear this one, Jay Byrne? I did. What do you think? 
Uh, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I see it. I think they even said that she could have been a Tokyo Rose or whatever they yeah, even great, said that too, which I thought was really interesting. Great reference. Um, I don't know. I none of. I, I feel like all of these could go a certain way. Well, her. The one thing that made me laugh was that they said um, supposedly FDR. Who this is a great word. You want? We've taught my father a couple words on the show here. Clandestine is this week's word. Dad. Oh, hey, I know one clandestine. <laughs> Describe right it. For the Dodgers in, That's in <laughs> thirty-four. <I think. laughs> <laughs> no, relief pitcher, good play. Hey, right, right. Um, no. no, clandestine secret, means cloak and dagger shit. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And FDR, you know, a little old FDR in his little wheelchair. I'm not here to hurt anybody. Right. Clandestine as hell. So he. Uh, well, I mean, at to that point, I mean, even the whole uh, Pearl Harbor attack. Uh, there are those theorists that uh, FDR knew that the uh, Japanese were That's going to I... attack Pearl Harbor yep. before it happened. So yeah. I mean. Uh, but that would that would be reason enough to get involved with, in the, the, war, with the war. So well, they were nervous about him because uh, they were keeping tabs on Japan early on. And one thing that falls right in line with our story here is that uh, FDR supposedly, because keep in mind he's friends with her. Hey Amelia, we'll help you out with whatever you need here. But when you go from Hawaii over to uh, you know the, the islands, what I want you to do is we're going to have the Navy prepare a fake weather report saying that there's a big storm in the way. So then you're going to veer over into Japanese-held territory and take a look down from your plane. Maybe take a couple pictures for us, whatever you can do. Just let us know what it's looking like over there. Because slowly but surely, Japan was taking over all these island chains. So that's the plan they're cooking up here. And uh, Japan's not having any of that. There's no, you're not allowed in Japanese waters. It is that the Japan built the wall, okay? That's right. what they did. <laughs> yeah, but again, to uh, the backstory that a little bit too, um, prior to the United States getting involved with the war back in the 30s. I mean, Japan was trying to work a deal with America, with the United States for oil reserves and that kind of stuff because they're building up this big giant war machine and you're going to need petroleum, you're going to need oil to uh, to sustain that. And they're short of natural resources. That's why Japan invaded Manchuria and China and all these other uh, um, Pacific so. uh, countries. And... It was FDR who cut off negotiations, saying, "No, we're not. We're not right. giving you that shit." And that totally pissed them off, okay. and right, and uh, well, I wouldn't led to uh, all right. right. If you're not going to be dealing with us, then I guess we're just going to attack you, and that's what they eventually did with uh, the attack on Pearl Harbor. That started. They launched us into the into the Second World War, and we were nervous about them. So you want to keep tabs on your enemies. That's the old move there. They suggest that might have been a part of it. So now here's the best part. During the search, and uh, by the way, Kahuna, come up with uh, casting couch because we're throwing you in a second, buddy. All right. Um, but uh, as we're wrapping up over here, there's a search that's going to go on that in the U.S., because they're the U.S. government, like we said, there's never not food on the table. They say, hey, by the way, Japan, we really need to look for a pilot. Can we come into all those territories you're not normally going to let us into? And they said, no, that's like we're, we're going to do our own search, and we'll tell you if we find it because nobody wants Earhart to die. Nobody. Right. She's almost a global icon at this point. And uh, – so they decide that they're going to do their own search. They come up with nothing. But just imagine if that's how smart Hirohito was, where he's like, oh, you mean, uh, yeah, I'll go look for that woman I captured. I don't know if I'm going to find anything, though, guys. We'll yeah. see what happens. At the same time, is, is Hirohito or the Japanese government going to allow an American female to become a world-renowned hero mm. by certain, you know, if it could be that, you know, they purposely shot her down or whatever just to make sure that she wasn't going to succeed in this around-the-world uh, flight. But also uh, on that note, too, uh, after the two-week search, they unfortunately do legally declare Amelia dead. Putnam was there for every part of the search and rescue effort. He never left the Coast Guard station that he was at. 
And um, unfortunately, we, we lost an American icon on that one. But the fact that she died mysteriously almost adds to her like adventurous spirit kind of a thing. And then uh, she's got so many plaques and honors. I mean, she's in the, uh, the National Women's Hall of Fame. She's in the uh, Aviators Hall of Fame. I mean, she is, dude, she's an icon. Everybody knows her name when we started, but nobody knew the deal here. Right. So, unfortunately, she's declared legally dead at age 39, just like all women in show business. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I got a lot of friends that'll agree with that that are women over 40. So. Um, but uh, the mystery has still never been solved. She could have just gone into the water and they never found her. Because it's like you said, Dad, if there's a black box on the modern planes and we can't find them, how the hell are you going to do it with right. a state-of-the-art plane in you know the 1930s? It's ridiculous that way. But uh, before we wrap up, uh, do you guys have anything else you want to add in? Is there still an active search, kind of, for her? There's a, it, they're called uh, devotees, I think is what they're referring to, that people who are obsessed with her still. And um, it, it's easy to get wrapped into the story, man. The conspiracy theories were more fun than the research part of this. Yeah, I think um, there was a, a recent uh, search that somebody went in with all these high-tech equipments. and Robert um, Ballard, who discovered the Titanic. That uh, was his expedition. All right, and then no we should, Oh, there you go. Somebody no else that went in with... Um, um, not cadaver dogs, but uh, you know, dogs that are able to smell out human bone remains. For, I think it was thing. forensic so dogs, right? Forensic That's dogs wow. look, looking looking for her, different kind of bones. remains of her. There was another uh, um, theory that um, that they went off course and landed on a different island and were like marooned on this island, as, you know, kind of a castaway kind of a thing. Oh yeah, with Amelia and Noonan, and you know, they just eventually just died on this island and were never found, kind of a thing. There's a movie in the '40s made called Flight for Freedom. Okay, and it's uh, I forget the who is the star of it, but oh, it, Rosalind Russell, I think. No right? shit, yeah, you're. Okay, I think that was so. it. Yeah. yeah, flight for free. Do you know? Uh, do you want to talk about it? No, I just knew. I just read that, That's, and I love her. It's wild because the movie is pretty much a dramatization of her being a spy. That she's going to do this Amelia Earhart type thing. So they never say Amelia Earhart's name, but they kind of take her life story and they say, "Yeah, international spy," and she was in love with her navigator, and it was this beautiful romantic thing. And then she uh, she chooses to crash the plane because that way uh, the Americans can come in and take a look, and then we can beat back those evil Japanese. Oh, you know? that's how the movie goes? That's so, hysterical. Yeah, that was her. So she was like, it was almost, she was a, a, a suicide mission of sorts to uh, prevent further suicide missions. So. Wow. It's cool stuff that way. But uh, Erhard was a badass. There's no doubt about it. That's um, that's a girl, you couldn't tell her what to do. All mm-hmm. right. And uh, it's so definitely um, definitely a, a person of the times too, but she's also timeless, if that makes any sense. 100%, yeah. So she yes. had to be from then, but she's for everybody. So. There's, oh, you're sweet. Well, the, I couldn't drive. A, I could not fly a plane uh, across the parkway, let alone the freaking <laughs> Atlantic Ocean. Right. But no, I get that. You really drive a car across yeah. the parkway, to be honest with you. The kitty ride on the boardwalk <laughs> yeah, where they're going yeah, up yeah. and down. <laughs> but I know you did research, Jay Bernie. Do you have anything else you wanted to say? Or? No, that was it. I just think her life is just as cool as her disappearance, though. No, she's pretty great that she way. She really is. Um, and then it's awesome. Cahoon's, you ready with a casting couch? Yeah. So, Who are we casting? So... Uh, it's weird because there's a bunch of different people who've played her, and then just I, I was joking earlier, but it's true. Like my my picture of Amelia Earhart was Amy Adams because I loved the Night of the Museum movies. <laughs> but hey, Jackie, you want to play Amer- Amelia Earhart? Oh, uh, you're uh, so Huna. cute. But no, uh, well that no, either so, either Jackie. That's so sweet. Or I would go. I love that. Brie Larson. I would go Brie Larson. I could see that from Captain Marvel, and then start. The American Loser Cinematic Universe. 
Not a bad idea. Just build from there. There you go. All I ask for is to play Dan Sickles. Um, <laughs> Who do you think she looks like, KP? I thought uh, a couple of the shots of her with uh, when she was done up, I thought she looked like, um, uh, what's what'd you say? I thought Julia Roberts, to be honest. <laughs> a little like bit. A little on bit. That, the, the one, uh, the I can't believe I'm blanking right now. Who's the one? Charlize Theron. Theron. I thought Charlize, That's who she too. Like. That's who she with looks like short hair. And uh, who was the one in uh, A League of Their Own? Gina Davis? Yeah. I could see that, yeah. too. Wow. Not bad. That whole there is a league in their own vibes right, here right. with Amelia, definitely. It's uh, the other one I thought of that could fit Serena Williams. <laughs> I usually so, laugh so at all of the things that you say. Sometimes I just try to see if we can get Kahuna to free. <laughs> Relax. He's silently That's, shaking his head. That's what? Oh you God. couldn't see her doing a Gatorade commercial as Amelia Earhart? It would be the greatest. <laughs> <laughs> but you Jay, never know Jay Byrne you're the best as always we're Thank working together so this weekend actually I was so. going to say I hope you yeah. plug our we've got two shows coming up Talk we've got this Saturday and then we have the show of characters um, which I'm very excited about that's, that's awesome be, I'm so pumped if you guys are local I'm putting out that flyer tomorrow both. yeah double headliner show there's, right. a, there's another conspiracy theory for Amelia Earhart uh -oh. someone confirmed that he shot her down. Mr. Burns from The Simpsons in The Simpsons Hit and Run video game oh admitted to having Amelia's plane shot down to the, due to the fact that she was... Oh, I'm not reading that. That's horrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But still. The Simpsons are the best. But uh, Jackie Byrne is correct. Uh, if you guys are local to the uh, northern New Jersey, uh, New York area, characters over in Slotesburg, it's a great spot uh, for combat. Always had a lot of good times over there. But um, we're going to be doing a double headliner show. It's Jackie and myself. A couple other great comics on the lineup, too. The place is called Characters Again in Slotesburg. That's going to be on March uh, March 13th. 13th. Yes. Friday the 13th, it is our St. Patrick's Day show, because right. due to systemic racism, Jackie and I work a lot more in the month of March. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> the luck of the Irish on Friday the 13th. And we're B, we're in the beginning of the alphabet, too. <laughs> that, yeah, that helps as well. So, But a lot of good uh, people on that one. It's going to be a fun time over there. And uh, we're hoping to move some tickets on that one. I think there might be a bagpipe band there, Dad. Is, well, that, I, I, is that true? No, no promises made, but we're we'll gonna, see what we can do. There might be a lone bagpiper if right. worse came well, to the worst. We'll but, see what happens. So, but uh, uh, Jackie, where else can people find you? Because uh, I want to hit you up oh, on social media. Oh, you can media. do JackieBurn.com or I like the Instagram. So Jackie underscore Burn, B-O-I-R-N-E. Hell yeah. And please slide uh, into those DMs. <laughs> uh, respectfully <laughs> check out my good friend Jackie Byrne over yeah, here. Respectfully slide That's, into uh, my DMs. I, uh, but you're the best of work, so we're going to have some good times coming up. Yeah, over here. no, we're excited. Thank you for doing the show, my too. Pleasure. LP, where is the Tri County Pipe Band going to be playing? You actually have dates to plug this uh, month. Oh, man, we've got uh, a couple of church uh, uh, benefit gigs. We've got, uh, we'll be in uh, the Bergenfield uh, Parade, Bergenfield, New Jersey. Oh, that's we'll awesome. be in the, the Morristown Parade, Morristown, New Jersey. Uh, we'll be up in Sussex County at the Newton Parade. Uh, we're we're uh, you're making and, the rounds I think, there. I think we're capping it off <laughs> with uh, the Ringwood Parade uh, in Ringwood, New Jersey, and then uh, on the first Saturday, I believe in April, we'll be marching down uh, Manhattan's. Uh, Manhattan Street for the Tartan Day Parade. So. That is so cool. That's uh, that's the one day of the year when I don't have a father. You know, we just we lose him <laughs> for the day. day. Yep. Oh, well, yeah. Uh, on St. Patrick's Day, I'm not quite sure where we'll nope. be ending up, but <laughs> nope. we'll be doing. Some he ties his cell phone to a balloon and just that's flies it up into the sky. Awesome. <laughs> Except we're not getting him back for a couple of days. Yeah. But uh, no, this was awesome, guys. Thank you so much. Um, I really appreciate it, guys. If you like listening to the show, by the way, I got a, such a great message from the Sunquist family again the other day. They said, "Hey, another family." trip so we get in the car and the kids say hey can we listen to that american loser podcast Aww. 
So I'm loving that. Uh, also, uh, Rachel Veronica, the, the promo stuff that you're doing for us is unbelievable. Thank you so much. Uh, Stu, Nick Franco. Uh, there's so many people I got to thank for this because it's really, uh, we got an awesome uh, Greg Yeager. I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. Left us a killer review on iTunes. Really good one. Um, that it was, uh, we've been called uh, uh, PBS with F bombs. And then he was saying it's, um, uh, what's the name of the guy? Uh, Ken Burns for the working man. <laughs> That's <laughs> but awesome. If you guys like the show, the best thing, we are not charging you any money for this. We're never going to do that. Show is always going to be free. We have other content we're trying to work on to put out for you guys. But uh, the point is, if you like the show, tell a friend about it. Maybe leave us a written review over on iTunes. That really helps us out a lot. Uh, the fan base has been absolutely amazing that way. So uh, just know that if you ever gave us the time of day, we really do appreciate it. And uh, if you guys want to follow me, it's at KP Burke Sucks at Instagram. I deleted my Twitter because Twitter's not fun. Mm-hmm. Um, KP Burke over on Facebook. Just send me a message. If you're going to add me as a friend, or send me a message saying it's from American Loser. I'll accept it right away. I get a lot of weird ones for a while. <laughs> you get those bots. Yeah, you get all those bots. Yeah, I was like, oh, wow. Apparently, yeah, comedy's taking off me. I got a big fan base. They all want to fuck, and they're local. That's weird. <laughs> yeah. uh, I do really well. It's, uh, yeah, it seems to be guys, comedy fans, and uh, horny local MILFs just love my comedy. <laughs> so, but, hey, I also want to uh, send a, a quick shout-out to Brian Rowe, who was uh, a member of the pipe band that, that I'm involved with, the Troy County uh, Pipes and Drums. Uh, Brian was the first to uh, really recognize Amelia's potential for a— American it is because of him that we picked her because not so much of her because of the awesome accomplishments in her life but just sadly in the way her story ended so that is awesome on that one guys so uh that being said coons thank you so much i appreciate the overtime you put in today here always man mike and ming take great care of us i'm very happy to be here i love recording at the studio it's important to me if you guys want to try out a podcast and you're in the area Come throw throw Kahuna some money, all right? <laughs> Come by, he's worth it. I don't have tips, <laughs> but don't he's great that way. And guys, uh, again, thank you so much for being a part of this. That was uh, Amelia Earhart, American Loser. An American Loser, the day I was born. An American Loser, the day I was born. An American Loser, the day I was born.